All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. Back with me, finishing off uh, our week out here in Boston. Mike Golick Sr., my dad, dad. Uh, we survived our night one draft show last night. How you feeling? Well, we survived more than Will Levis survived. Ooh, oh, man. Should I say that right out of the gate? Yeah, is, it's kind of mean. Is that mean? Yeah. His life's been hard enough. He's still going to be a millionaire. Sure. Okay. And now he's going to have that added chip on his shoulder. I'm sure, obviously, we're going to get get to him. But uh, what a first round. Few surprises, few clear winners. Certainly, as there is everywhere, some head scratchers as well. I mean, of yeah. good players, but just some of the fits I just I just didn't see. Yeah, we got plenty to get into. Great show for you, as always. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well. We do, speaking of players that are going to come up in the draft today, as we talk not only about head-scratching moves, best fits, wins from last night, and players who fell, but also best available coming up today. Right. Brian Branch, safety out 
out of uh, Alabama, certainly a place well-known for defensive back pedigree. He stopped by. We got a chance to talk to him the other day as he gets set now to wait for his draft future and his name to get called on night two. So be fun to visit with him, talk a little bit about that Alabama difference. It is a tough part. So, so like the next five basically are Will Levis, Michael Mayer, the tight end from yep. Notre Dame, Joey Porter, cornerback, uh, and then you mentioned Brian Branch and Luke Musgrave, the tight end from Oregon State. Those are kind of the consensus next best five, so we'll probably see them go off the board. But it's such a – what a drop-off for those. Again, you and I don't know these situations, sure. but when they only do the first round on the first night and that's your cutoff and you – think you're going in the first round, I'd say probably the two. Brian Branch, I thought, had the ability to go in the first round, but I thought Levis and Mayer for sure were going to yeah. go in the first round. Man, then when you don't, I got to believe that it was a, a rough night's sleep for both those guys. Well, I, we had uh, Kyle Rudolph, yeah. obviously you know very well, was on the mm-hmm. podcast not too long ago leading up to the draft, and that was one thing he talked about pretty candidly, was saying, I expected to be taken in the first round. He said that was his first real goal, wasn't it? It was, was his, first goal, first, it was his first goal that he'd ever failed. It failed, that was it. It was the right, first right, right. thing that he had ever set out to do that he had yeah. failed, and it was the same situation that we saw for Will Levis, who was in the green room, who was in Kansas yes. City, but then Michael mayor had the crowd of people had Mm -hmm. his family all around there and it was the same thing Kyle described as you have all these people that are here and you have this expectation for yourself and when it doesn't go through that's a difficult pill to swallow but we've seen Kyle obviously went on had a great career like you said plenty of other guys do and so for these guys that have fallen out of day two or some guys that are even going to get picked in day three there's plenty of world left to go and now you don't have that fifth year of team control and so if you go out here and make them eat their words you get to the money even faster to the second time That around, is exactly so. right. It kind of reminds me of the guy that goes to the football game, the NFL game, or the college game. I mean, just painted. Oh, Completely yeah. painted. And then you're getting blown out. And you finally, you hit that point of, this was a bad idea. You know, for Levis, he was there. Yeah. For Michael Mayer, they had a camera at the house. Yep. And, you know, you know when you're on camera, you, know, you see it on TV. At what point do they both go, Man, this was a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> Levis being there or may or maybe having the camera there. Yep, and not the first that we've seen with that. So we will get to what comes up in day two and some winners from round one. But, Dad, it's impossible to talk about who won round one and who won the opening of the draft without also mentioning, we didn't talk about this in the pod yesterday, Baltimore started things yep. off in a big way leading up to the draft. They get Lamar Jackson signed to that five-year extension, $260 million dollars. $185 million guaranteed with injury, he now gets the title of being the highest paid right. player in NFL history based on average per year. He supplants the deal we just saw made by Jalen Hurts. This one, you were taking the victory lap on. You felt like it was inevitable and that Boston, Baltimore was always going to be home for Yeah, him. once he wasn't getting the, again, with the, with the um, franchise pick that he was, other teams could offer to take him for due draft picks or maybe do a trade and there were nothing no offers out there as as I have said all along there's been no there's no need for they talk about owners in collusion of not having a guaranteed contract as I've always said the owners didn't need to talk they all know they didn't want to do it so there was no need to collude about it they weren't going to do what Haslam did in Cleveland and they they can't stand the guy for it where again they say it was an, an outlier and football players want to say it was a precedent so there had to be two tipping points right for Lamar one he had to f- come to the realization 
He and I know his mother was helping in the yep. negotiation as well. They had to come to the realization they're not getting the Deshaun Watson deal. Sure. So there had to be that moment of saying, okay, that's out the window. So then the next thing was, okay, what can we use? And the Jalen Hurts contract was what they used. Okay, that's Jalen. Give us a little more. Five mil more on the guarantee. Five mil more on the total deal. But let's remember, he'll be a free agent before Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was a five-year extension. So he has actually six years. Lamar signed a five-year deal, so he'd actually be on the market before Jalen Hurts would if they get to, to free agency. So those were kind of the two things, I think, that had to happen for Lamar, and now he's back in Baltimore. And now we look back on it, really just seems like negotiation, right? Lamar was negotiating yes. for himself, and what did he accomplish? He got the next highest paid deal. Everyone who had qualms about what he was doing without an agent, how it was going, he ended up accomplishing the same thing that Jalen Hurts and his team of Nicole Lynn and the great people who did a job over there. Lamar got that done. He got a massive improvement on whatever the reported deal we thought we heard was going into the season in the area of about 200 mil overall with like $137 million guaranteed. The price definitely went up. And I think on Baltimore's side, there was also a sense of urgency, I'm sure, after that deal got done for Jalen yes. saying, man, we don't want to butt up because if that $230 million guaranteed number scared you before, the prospect of Joe Burrow yep, coming yep. up and Justin Herbert coming up probably made you think, we could get close to that if we're not careful. Yep. We need to go in here, ante up, take our medicine, and ensure that we've got this. And you saw it. He got to announce it himself on the team's mm-hmm. uh, social media feeds. It seemed like they were singing Kumbaya by the end of this. And so Baltimore, probably one of the early winners of this. And that's before we get to their draft pick of Zay Flowers, yes. the wide receiver out of Boston College, who now adds to a really strong offseason. Eric DaCosta had to take a lot of grief. He gets to take a victory lap right now. I mean, you you look at Lamar, and everybody said, oh, he could have got this done earlier if he had an agent. Last I checked, between the time of negotiating and outside of injury, he missed zero games because of the negotiation. Yep. So who cares how long it lasted? And when people are saying there's too much bad blood, I had always said it's amazing the foundation money can build. A nice, strong foundation to lead you back to where you supposedly burned that bridge. And, and I agree about the other two. I don't think the other two, Herbert and um, Burrow, are going to get to – 230 million, but I do think they're going to push the five year, $300 million deal, $280 million deal with 200 yeah. guaranteed with injury. I think that's the next kind of marking point of with injury guarantee of $200 million. Yep, it, it, I think we're going to cross that threshold. It's always going to go up. That's why signing your quarterbacks early always benefits you because then you get out ahead of and these yes. deals age pretty well pretty quickly. And so congratulations to Lamar Jackson, his family, and his camp. The Baltimore Ravens early winners, but let's get to some of the big winners overall from night one of the draft. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. 
Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Now, looking at Baltimore, they pulled that off. Then we get to actual draft night itself. And no surprise at the beginning of the draft, Bryce Young goes one overall to the Carolina Panthers. That's what we expected. They went out and made it happen. Zero issues there. He was a guy, I know you had C.J. Stroud as the quarterback. You would have taken one overall. But still, Bryce Young and and Stroud, to me, were 1-1A. and I have no no issue there at all. Yeah, it's a great pick for them. Carolina, we saw last year, became a running team down the stretch. Brings back their entire offensive line, young group they're trying to build around. And then defensively, they've got things at the one overall pick that they traded up for uh, with the Chicago Bears. Right, right. They've got things to help out a young quarterback in a way that most teams picking at that spot usually don't have, right? They're usually going to teams where they're running for their lives. It's a fire drill. It's the David Carr situation from Houston many moons ago. Bryce Young, especially with the size factored in, seems like he's at a place that can actually keep him upright, maybe a little better than some other other spots would have been able to. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And they also did a good job of bringing in some talent. Hayden Hurst, they brought in. Miles Sanders from the Eagles, they brought in. Adam Thielen, DJ Chark. So they brought in some offensive weapons for CJ. I think it was they uh, lost like for DJ Bryce Young. I mean, too, they lost trade. So the that's trade. the big one they're trying to overcome. Right, but they, they filled it with a number of players. So a, a good good start for Carolina. A, a, a no-brainer, really, for them. I think they, they had this one all along. Yeah, exactly. So then it gets interesting. So we get to the number two overall pick, the Houston Texans, all the smoke around that, all the talk about are they going to take one of the edge rushers? Are they going to go Tyree Wilson at edge rusher? And instead, cooler heads prevail, and not only do the Houston Texans take C.J. Stroud at number two, they trade up with the Arizona Cardinals yep. at three and take Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. And so, based on the boards we had kind of put together, it went chalk there in the early going, but shout out to Daniel Jeremiah. You and I were walking over <laughs> yeah. to do the show yesterday and to get ready to do the draft show, and DJ had put out his last mock draft and had that exact scenario built in. So, plugged in and knows his stuff, certainly, but, Dad, I know the Texans had to give up picks to get right. back into that range. <clears throat> But with a new regime, you set your foundation around quarterback and edge rusher with D'Amico Ryans coming in. For the first time in a while, there's actually a lot for the Texans fans to be excited about. Oh, without a doubt. You know, and you and I, on the when we were, were doing the, the um, a live first round with DraftKings Network uh, uh, on, for the first night of the draft, we were kind of debating, Houston, what do you do? You know, Arizona as well. Do you trade back? And get quantity and some, hopefully, some quality. Or do you stay up and get mega quality? And, and yep. as we were debating, it's all about the grade that you have. So for Houston, you get an A plus with the talent that you graded, and then your grade maybe starts to come down. The fact that you gave up assets for it when you're looking for some more quantity, but this is what you had to make your decision. Our grades are so high on the C.J. Strouds and Will Andersons of the world that 
we don't mind giving up assets because we think these two guys will be the foundation on either side of the ball for years to come. So that's a decision that, that these these teams have to make. Houston's actually really interesting to look at now because you look at all the things that tend to make football go right. I always said you start at the quarterback and right. you work out from there. You want a quarterback and then you need a guy to protect him. You just re-sign Laramie Tunsil, made right. him the richest tackle in NFL history. You need a guy to try and go and sack the quarterback. You've now added Will Anderson Jr. to the fold on that on the other side. You need need someone to try and keep the quarterback from completing passes. You took Derek Stingley Jr. at the top of the draft last year. On and on down the list, and then you couple that with head coach and bringing D'Amico Ryans, who was the named candidate of this last year coming over from San Francisco, and all of a sudden, you've put up your tent poles in all the right, right. areas in Houston. Yeah, you did, and and they're one of the teams that did a lot of work in the offseason as well. When you have a new coach, yeah. a new system, you're going to lose players, much like we see in college now with, with players going to the poor Portal, IEC Colorado at this point. Oh my God. For the players that, that yeah. are jumping to the portal, that's like with a new coach here and free agency teams, uh, players will leave, but they'll also bring in a bunch that'll fit more the style you're looking to play. So I do think the Texans, I think Carolina fans, I think Texans fans should be extremely happy with what their teams did and a lot of kind of momentum going forward to say okay maybe we can turn this thing around so then we get down to four and we get the Anthony Richardson right. coming off the table now the Colts at four take Anthony Richardson out of Florida and dad as we sat there last night I heard Michael Lombardi bring this up who was a part of the show with us too you not only get the most talented player probably yes. at any position yeah. in this draft I think it's fair to say as far as raw physical ability going over now with Shane Steichen in Indianapolis in an offense that Last time on Dragon Ball Z, we saw in Philadelphia with a quarterback with some rushing ability yeah. made people pretty miserable. Now, Philadelphia had the best offensive line in football last year. We know Indies took a big step back this yeah, last year. Left tackle was a big concern. Wasn't their pass rush rate the worst in the league, I think? It was near the bottom. Yeah. And, I mean, we know ever since Quentin Nelson came over there, <laughs> yep. that had been the, the strength, strength of that Gave team. Of 60 Colin sacks uh, last year, bad offensively, yeah. So, I, I think with this move, one, we know with Anthony Richardson, it's going to be about reps. He's a 12-game yep. star starter in college, but a little more polished than most and has so much ex- uh, explosive ability that now with Shane Steichen in this offense, you base this around a lot of the zone read stuff that you did for Jalen Hurts. You've got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield with him there. You can stress people really early with simple concepts that they can all go out there and execute. Zone read stuff really helps an offensive line because now right. you get to fully ignore one player on the end of this and you get to go and try and hammer the rest of the box and you get to give Anthony Richardson places he can get wins while you start to get him reps on the other stuff that are eventually going to turn him into the top end of the quarterback you want him to be. And then it's just, again, a matter of, of when, right? You have Gardner Minshew there who is going to, you know, should be that bridge quarterback. Sure. Something he's very used to, by the way. <laughs> and you know what, not a guy. bad gig no, either. No. Gardner Minshew and his van working out outside of some gym, pooping in an RV, seems like a guy who really understands how to get down like you, that. You kind of look at it like the Jacoby Brissett thing where yeah. you knew he was going to be giving up that job. And Gardner, and Gardner knows it, so he knows. He needs to play well to audition for the next team, you know. For but this four and twelve team, I and I got it completely wrong. I thought getting Matt Ryan, I, I picked them to win the division last year, and the fall off was Ooh, incredible. Cliff for them. So you're right about Anthony Richardson. So to me, it's like when you get that less experienced guy needing to catch up to the NFL, and you shouldn't put him in right right away. I, I look at I didn't agree with the Trey Lance move for the 49ers, sure. giving up all those assets to go to number three. 
And again, at this point, it's not Trey Lance's fault because he's been injured. But just in getting ready for the draft, I wasn't as high on him as the high ceiling as others were. But I am high on the high ceiling and potential of Anthony Richardson. So and Indianapolis did not have to give up. Did not give up all that first round picks, all that capital to and, that. And, to and that again, when you take an early pick, you want a plug and play guy. But the quarterback, that's a different conversation. If right. you think you got your guy for the next ten to fifteen years, if you have to wait a year or two, so be it. You don't mind. But I am excited to see where he can go. But he just needs. Everything he saw in college, he's going to have to do quicker at the pro level. He may have the ability as a as a runner and an athlete to do damage running, but he needs even running quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks, need to be able to do the most damage in the pocket. That's still where games are going to be won or lost. The other stuff can be gravy when you're getting out and creating on your own or running for your life like Justin Fields was the last couple of years. Right, exactly. But I think, and we've seen this with NFL offenses meeting college quarterbacks more of where they're coming yes. from than trying to just force square peg and round hole. It's a good way to get guys layups that they can make early on in their career. We hear that all the time. Coaches want to start quarterbacks off with stuff that they can make early in the game, get the confidence going. You've got that for a career now where you can get him wins in areas he knows he's capable of early on and build confidence in a young player that's still green in his football career as a starter. Let's hope they do that because I in calling games uh, last year for Westwood One, we did a couple of Chicago games early. And, Mike, I was stunned at the lack of – Using Justin Fields' strengths, yeah, and the fact that he your old line wasn't very good, it took a while for them to get him out on the corner, get put him in situations where, if he had to get away from the rush, you you were kind of working that into your scheme. They didn't do that early on, and I, I'd sit there in a the booth just scratching my head, saying, "What the hell are they doing?" But eventually, it got to that, and and we saw what an incredible athlete he is, and and I. All those rumors about trade Justin Fields to get Bryce Young, I thought were ridiculous. The with with I think I think the strides Justin Fields making, even though he had to run for his life a lot. So we get past that, and now, uh, Dad, just looking out at the rest of the draft, I want to yeah. open it up a little bit more as far as teams you thought won the draft overall. Because I think for me to start, clear answer first and <clears throat> foremost. Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles, man. I mean, it's, it's the Breaking Bad. He can't just keep getting away with this gift. You have Jalen Carter, who they trade up at 9 with the Bears. They swap that 9-10 and 10 pick. As Jalen Carter, D-tackle out of uh, Georgia, Georgia, falling down in the draft. People had him mocked to 5 with the Seattle Seahawks. They pass. And so the Eagles go up to 9, get their guy, and then stick around all the way to the end of the first round and draft Nolan Smith. Howie Roseman has figured out one of the best just take it out of the box to draft strategies there is draft Georgia defensive players and prosper I love both of these picks for an Eagles team that we know they're in a great position because they don't have a lot of things they need to fix they're coming off a Super Bowl run they signed their quarterback they brought back a lot of great guys like Darius Slay the offensive line's all there and so now you just get to add depth and to add quality depth along the interior of that D-line where they lost Hargrave right. and then to add Nolan Smith and have him look at the guy people want him to be. Everyone said maybe, hopefully we can get him as a tweener to be Hassan Reddick. Now he gets to work with them in that room. I know you did college games last year for Learfield. I did it a couple of years ago, and one of the second game of that season, I had Georgia against yeah. South Carolina. When now all four of these guys who were on the Eagles were on that defense. When I was saying, because I did it twice that year, this could be one of the greatest defensive teams I've ever seen in college football with their speed and athletic ability and, and, and aggressiveness. And now four of them 
are together on the Eagles. It is incredible to me. And the one thing, you know, that you have when you add great players, but you also add depth. Because you look at one of the things that works well, Philly had 70 sacks last year. You rotate guys in. Last yep. When the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, they had that depth on D-line. Then they traded to Forrest Buckner the year after that. But how good you can be when you can roll six, maybe seven D-linemen in? I mean, think about that. When you can do that, they only have to play 35 to 50 plays tops going against old linemen who have to play 70, 80 plays. Yeah. They're, they're in there all the time. I mean, the fresh leg thing there is incredible. And then add on the talent level. Now if you get Jordan Davis, the big guy they had last year in the first round, to start to be a little bit of a pass rusher as well, we'll see. Because he's a plugger right now. I mean, between him and Fletcher Cox and now Jalen Carter in the middle, let alone Nolan coming off the edge. And that's the thing is, if you get Jalen Carter going, and he's going to get one-on-one looks because they love that five-up stuff, and he's unblockable in college when he had one guy trying to protect on him. It's just the Eagles are in such a smart, healthy place where they know, hey, Brandon Graham's not going to be able to play forever. So now you get another guy on the edge, you can beef up a little bit and get ready for that. Fletcher Cox in the same spot. And for people that had concerns about Jalen Carter, and the work ethic or anything like that, go into a really healthy environment, right? You have a great vet in Fletcher that shows you all the things you need to be a pro at the next level. So I thought the Eagles aced that one. Dad, who else stuck out to you as far as draft I, I actually think Seattle. I mean, everybody thought Seattle passing on Jalen Carter uh, at five. They picked up Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback, top corner from Ooh. Illinois. And then, then they get the first uh, – one of the things that surprised me was how late the wide receivers went. And they all went in a then, row. Then, boom. I mean, you're, you're right. Uh, and it started at 20 with Jackson Smith and Jigba went to Seattle. 21, the Chargers take Quentin Johnson. 22, the Ravens take Zay Flowers. 23, Minnesota takes Addison out of USC. But I thought Seattle did great to get, I love Witherspoon, lockdown corner, and then getting uh, the wide receiver from Ohio State. I thought they did a really, really good job. What they've done in Seattle, remaking the back end of that defense. They signed Julian Love in free agency from New York Giants. You mentioned you get Tariq Woolen now and Devin Witherspoon in that secondary. And then Smith and Jigba, after re-signing Geno Smith, that's another team in the NFC West, the way that division situated right now. Really got to feel good outside of the 49ers of their chances to, to get hot again and yeah. to have another version. I saw already people putting up the Legion of Boom round two stuff. Yes, so. Yes. Certainly, uh, certainly to lump expectations on those guys pretty early on here. Dad, I think one of the other teams that probably, as far as uh, top end of the draft, looked pretty well. I want to go down here and see. Hmm. Well, we mentioned the run on wide receivers there. Right. The Chargers clearly have a type. They love them some big boys, big oh pass catchers. Quentin Johnston, the only outside wide receiver on large body of this group. Yep. We already mentioned Zay Flowers. they got to be doing cartwheels in Baltimore right now. All the talk about not having a developed passing game. You had Todd Munkin in the offseason. You bring over a guy who can get vertical in the slot. And if Odell Beckham Jr. hits, now you really got a party there. So do you think after 15 when, when uh, Aaron Rodgers saw the Jets took an edge rusher and no wide receiver had been drafted, do you think he's going, what the hell? I mean, what, here too? It's a little funny. Like <laughs> I understand they've got Garrett Wilson yeah, there who yeah. was great last okay. year. They signed Alan Lazard already. So right. they've done a lot 
lot of work yeah. on that side of the ball, but it's still a little Man, funny that history really continues is. to repeat itself, and Aaron Rodgers just can't get anyone to spend first-round capital on him there. Was there anyone that stuck out to you as winners, or do you want to get to some of the people that kind of made us go, hmm, because there was more than a few head-scratchers there in this was, first round, I too. think that throughout the winners, I think, again, I think New England doing what New England does, trading back, they get Christian Gonzalez, I thought was a great pickup for them. This seemed to be a cornerback Offensive tackle, right? Yeah. Cornerbacks went on a run. Old tackles, you had five, and again, some of those guys will become guards. Uh, so I, I think those were the those were the big positions. Yeah, love Darnell Wright to Chicago. Yep. I know he's a guy that might get pigeonholed on the right side, but I think. In an offense that's not running 90 plays a game, you're going to need an even better version of the run blocker that we saw at Tennessee. Uh, Anton uh, Anton Harrison, who also went to Jacksonville, right. as they're dealing with the suspension right now to their starting left tackle, and Cam Robinson fills a need right away and I think is a guy that's built for the long term. Best football ahead of him, too. The head scratcher's dad came with the running backs, and I don't want to make this an indictment no, on the position no. in the first round because you had two running backs go in the top 12. We get Bijan Robinson out of Texas. One of the top prospects in the draft picked at eight by the Atlanta Falcons, and then Jameer Gibbs at twelve. And even he said after oh. he thought he was going to be hanging down to the late twenties because that's where running backs go now. And is stunned. He's at home chilling with his family. He's nowhere near Kansas City. And now all of a sudden, the Detroit Lions and the Atlanta Falcons, two teams that both had dreadful defense last year and could have used the cavalry on that side of the ball, decided to add great players, but at a spot where I'm not sure why their team need would have led them to that first. I'm with you there. And again, we we do want to stress just what Mike said. I it's not an indictment on the players. These are really really good players, but I I really don't understand the fit. You look uh in 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 Atlanta, and I love Bajon Robinson, but they were third in the league in rushing last year. I know that with Marcus Mariota yards, but you take his yards away, they were still top 10 with Algiers with Cordell Patterson. I, they had other holes to fill. This wasn't. They're not in a position for a luxury pick. They're in a position of help. Now, I think he will help them on offense, but I think they needed more help on defense. And I would say the same thing about the Detroit Lions, uh, a team that had DeAndre Swift. Yep. They picked up David Montgomery in the offseason from the Bears. And they go Jameer Gibbs, who, again, I like as a player, but their defense was horrific last year. They needed the help on the defensive side of the ball, so I'm surprised that didn't happen there. You want to talk about a draft board that had to look a lot different than what we had in the public. They take a running back at 12, and then they go Jack Campbell out of Iowa. All I'd really heard about this off-ball linebacker class was there's good players in there, but not guys that have first-round grades on a lot of them. So again, you get some of that defensive help, but in a way that not a lot of people were truly prepared for. Yeah, I did not think so. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. 
In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So yeah, I think those really constitute the shockers for me. A lot of it around running back because Tyree Wilson going at uh, 7 to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders dressed like a Raider. Incredible suit. Yeah, Incredible look. There was nowhere else he was going to go from Vegas. Lucas Van Ness, a little bit of a project going to the Green Bay Packers. Built like an absolute Adonis. He looks like Drago from the Rocky movies fitting into a defense that underperformed. A lot of the rest of these are pieces that fit in as you get to the back end of the first round. So as we head into day two, and we'll hear from Brian Branch in a second, who's expected to be one of those top end day two guys here. Dad, we know Will Levis slid in the draft, the quarterback out of Kentucky, and that's the one everyone's waiting to see right now. Who else was one of the more surprising guys to drop into the second round for you? And who do you think is going to see we're going to see come off the board early? Well, I think Levis and well, again, it's quarterback um, and Mayer, Michael Mayer. Uh, again, Dalton Kincaid uh, went as a tight end uh, to Buffalo. And I thought it would be Kincaid and Mayer in the first round. I thought maybe to Dallas, Mayer might go. They ended up taking Mozzie Smith to D-tackle. Then I thought maybe to Cincinnati. They went Miles Murphy. They both went defense, did Dallas and Cincinnati. So I was a little surprised at that. Uh, and, and you said it earlier, man. When a guy plays longer, you find more to tear him down. And Michael Mayer, you know, this is where I think we get too caught up in numbers. Yep. And I don't mean stats. I mean numbers of, yeah, is he going to be that stretch defense guy? Probably not. You know, the separation isn't the greatest. But you know what? That's when you watch tape and say all he does is catch the ball and get the job done. He's going to be great for a quarterback. And, oh, by the way, he can block in line. He can split out and block downfield as well and catch ball. So I think that's one where the more time that went by, more people were saying he's like a throwback tight end, you know, and that still have value. Hell, yes, it has value. I, I mean, say, I mean, uh, if we watch the 49ers at all, I get George Kittle is on the high end of all of those, but having a guy that can do both in a league where we're seeing more teams yep. lean back into the run game Absolutely. seems to be like that fit with Buffalo is going to be very strange to watch with Dalton Kincaid and Knox trying to figure out what do they look like in 12 yeah, personnel. Yeah, they're in 12 the personnel, together. and you're not really worried about the blocking right. of them, but you know, we could see from a weapon standpoint of what they're going to do. So Levis Mayer, Joey Porter, who he wasn't one of my top corners. I know he was up there because he's he's so aggressive that at times he gives up the big play. Yeah. But he'll be a guy that goes. And then Brian Branch, uh, who we talked to as well, um, I think is a great safety. And he's the type that can play safety, play uh, in the slot, you know, come up uh, on the line as well as a tackler and really, really smart. So those, I think, are the guys. Avila, the the, the, oh, the inside lineman from he's TCU. one of my favorites yeah. from this year. Yeah. I think between him and Osiris Torrance, who's the right. guard out of Florida by way of Louisiana, everyone like. I like Avila a lot. I think he's an incredible technician, going to do really well, center or guard for somebody on the interior. Hendon Hooker and Will Levis. It's going to be fascinating to see how those two order as we Could get you, into the second round here. Do you imagine if Hendon Hooker went before? I mean, Will at this Levis? point, I can't act like it would be that big of a surprise Completely based agree. on where we've landed. I, I actually, a healthy Hendon Hooker, I would take over Will Levis. 
I, I had him up over Will, but blowing out that knee. Yeah. I know they said he'll be ready by the beginning of the season, but it's it's clearly will be a redshirt year for him unless he's pressed into duty somehow, some way during the season. But I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, so you're going to have those two available there. We mentioned some of the tight ends. Luke Musgrave out right. of Oregon State. That's also going to be your Sam Laporte out of Iowa, who's also a baller. Mm-hmm. This is where you start to see the depth of tight ends show up with all of those positions. You mentioned the defensive backs there with Porter Jr. And then pass rusher B.J. Ojolari out of LSU still here. Great length. The guy who I think is a little raw, but project. And then wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, who is the oh, um, from Tennessee. Yeah, I can yeah, say yeah. Uh, a trophy winner from this last mm-hmm. year. Jaden Reed out of Michigan State also in there as well. So there's plenty of good guys to keep an eye on as we get into this second Listen, round. Listen, we're going to see. We see it every year. You're going to look at the first-round pick, and they're going to be a bust, and you're going to look at a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-round pick, and they're going to be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, like in a couple of years. That, that's We've seen it. It happens every year, and it's going to, this year is no exception. It's going to happen. You're going to, get, you're going to get incredible value for some of these picks, and some you're going to strike gold you know, in the fourth round and have you know, the next great at some position. Well, speaking of that, let's take a quick break and let you guys listen to a conversation we had with one of the guys who expects to hear his name called tonight in the second round of the NFL draft, Alabama safety, nickel, all-around great <laughs> defensive back Brian Branch. Awesome. awesome, man. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., happy to talk to you, man. Congratulations on everything. I'm sure it's an exciting week for you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. No, definitely. And uh, listen, we know your time's pressed here. We're excited to talk to you. We know you're here on behalf of Tide Cleaners for the NFL. We want to hear all about that. But just for you, tell me how you are feeling heading into draft weekend, getting ready to get started. What's going through your mind right now? Uh, to be honest, it hasn't hit me yet. Uh, probably hit me tomorrow when I walk across that stage and hear my name called. But just enjoying the process right now, uh, you know, uh, defend my family here, you know, spending time with them, um, meeting new uh, people as well. So just this whole experience, you know, uh, I'm enjoying. Part of that, do you look back and see how fast it all went for you from committing to Alabama and all of a sudden you're getting ready to go on draft day, hopefully on the first day? Uh yes sir. Uh, just it feels like just yesterday I was in honestly in, in high school. Uh, going into Bama, you know, uh, my freshman year, and just the, how far I've came. Like it's it's been a journey, and ups and downs, but it's been a journey. Tell us about that first time you met Nick Saban because he's one of the most <laughs> historic, famous. Notable figures in college football. What's it like for you back in high school the first time Coach Saban either walks into your home, walks into your high school that first meeting? Uh, the first time I said he came, I say I went to him. Um, on that visit, you know, everybody just for one, honestly, leading up to it, you know, we we doing everything else. I didn't even get to talk to Coach Saban on my uh, visit, but like. It's a time, like, say, like, at 3.30. And, like, that's all I had on my mind that day is, like, what, what is it going to be like to talk to Coach Saban at first? And I got in there, and, like, he's he's exactly almost what everybody, you know, thinks. Um, he's just that that guy. And he, when you get in there, he has a whole bunch of rings, and he's just – he's he's straight to the point, you know. Uh, He'll tell you about yourself and tell you what you – the realness. Like, he's, he's a real coach, I feel like. And just him being that is – sets him apart. 
What did he tell you about you as a player when he first met with you? I'm curious because so many places I feel like they'll puff you up. They'll try and make you feel good. What was Coach Saban's honest assessment of you as a player? Uh, he honestly, he got out his little sheet and he said, uh, you're, you're a good tackler. You can uh, play safety. Uh, you can cover. Um, and then he put down his sheet. He looked at me and he was just saying, you, get, you got a chance to play here. But you know you're gonna have to work. Ain't nothing easy over here. Um, everybody comes in and compete. They, they he said they're gonna tell you other co- other college coaches gonna tell you uh, don't go to Bama because you know you, you're not gonna see the field till your sophomore year. But uh, he he was being straightforward. He said if you want to play, you're going to compete. And hey, that's what they want. You know, along those lines, whenever there's a four or five star recruit and they leave their state and that state has a great team like Georgia does, a lot of people say, how does that happen? How did how did Georgia not have the chance to land you? Georgia came after Bama. Uh, Bama was a little bit late, but they came. Georgia came even later to Bama, and they only came because Bama came, and it was too late. So Georgia misses out on that. You get to Alabama, well-known because of Coach Saban's background, especially for being a place that pumps out defensive backs. In your mind, what's Mm -hmm. the difference? What's the secret sauce that makes Alabama defensive backs so special and something that NFL teams are always after? Uh, For one, the system that we're playing in. Uh, You know, Coach Saban runs a a pro system pretty much, Uh, and it's a complex system, so we're doing a lot of thinking uh, as well. Um, also he's, he's hands-on with the DBs, you know, uh, he's been in this game a long time. So he giving us a uh, little tricks, uh, techniques, uh, what to do and just everybody pretty much, uh, just a camaraderie at Bama, uh, everybody feeds off each other. Everybody want to eat and everybody is, uh, you know, us, we support one another and we push one another. So. Listen, there's no doubt what he can teach you from X's and O's and your ability to play slot, play safety, play up toward the line, your versatility, your football IQ. I mean, there's we know all of that, which which should get you in the first round of this draft. What is something Nick Saban taught you off the field that you'll take with you? Just how to be a be a man, Uh, be how to be a man in your household, Uh, how to be a a father. you know, growing up, I didn't have uh, really my oldest. My oldest brother was like a father mentor to me. But, uh, you know, going to a school like Bama, Coach Saban, he's took me under his wing. And, you know, he's just been a great mentor to me. So you learned that from Coach Saban. But you mentioned the camaraderie of your teammates. You also got a lot of really good teammates, which means a <laughs> lot of guys that are going to be playing on Sunday. You had to go up against Bryce Young, who a lot of people think is going to be the number one overall pick. When you're going up against Bryce Young in training camp and some of the offseason stuff, what stood out to you most about him as a player? The way he competes. Um, he's a true leader. Uh, he gets everybody everybody on the offense is in, on one on one page. And, you know, he's really like – I honestly probably he, – he's unique. You know, he's Mahomes-like, uh, can look one way uh, and throw it the other, look you dead in your face and – and not throw it there, uh, like that's that's uncoachable. So when you play against him at the next level, would you rather blitz and sack him or intercept him? Both. I know it's tricks. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 
best of both worlds. One other thing you you and him both have in common, and really a lot of the draft eligible guys in your class, you guys came back and played in that Sugar Bowl game. A lot of people, and especially we've seen the trend, guys that would have sat out that game, especially guys like you all who have first round grades attached to your name. Why was it so important for you guys to come back and play in that game? Uh, the last one of the season, uh, we wanted to share the field again with our team, you know, uh, those are our brothers. Um, and you know, that, that tells who, who loves, who, who sits out of a game like that, that tells you who loves football and who doesn't. So at what point in your life, not, not that you thought you could play in the NFL, but did that become your goal to play in the NFL? How old were you? Probably when I was around 15, 15, 14 to 15 going to my high school year, my freshman year of high school. And then the next thing would be, when did you realize, I think I can play at the next level? My freshman year of college, uh, going against the guys uh, like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, uh, having to tackle Najee Harris. Uh, just going against some guys who are already in the NFL who, who had first-round grades before the season started. So did you have a welcome to Bama moment with those guys? Was there one moment <laughs> where you remember, like, oh, this is big-time college football now? Uh, yes, sir. Um, just one of them was probably, uh, I think, my freshman year, uh, Waddle had, uh, it was like a little screen, and he had blocked me. And, like, he just – he got the best of me that time, and he started, like, chirping, and uh, that's Waddle. So, like, I had to get my give back, though, best believe. But that, that was my welcome, welcome to Bama moment. Yeah, uh, an impressive group of <laughs> yeah. Did, Which one of those guys, and I don't want to get you in trouble here, which one of those guys, <laughs> you went through a lot of quality receivers there. Who's the best receiver you played against at Alabama, let alone the rest of the SEC? It's a lot of good guys. Uh, you got Waddle, you got Devontae, uh, Jamison Williams, uh, John Mechie. Um, just it's a lot. It's wide receiver you over there. And I can't really nitpick on who was the best one I, I went against, but all of them, all of them pretty much. There he goes. Good answer. S smart yeah, man and good a good answer. teammate here. You're going to make <laughs> a lot of money and a lot of friends that way. Um Speaking of that, Brian, uh, we know you're here on behalf of Tide uh, Cleaners for the NFL. Tell us what you got going on with them. Uh, just I've been rocking with Tide since, you know, me and my family have been rocking with them since I was young. Uh, they ensured that, you know, I always smelled fresh, smelled the best. Um, you know, they're going to make me – they're going to help me be perfect for a tomorrow NFL draft. Uh, just make, make sure I smell good. So, You got that special suit uh, all set to go? Oh uh, yes, sir. I do. Y'all got y'all got y'all got to wait and see. Y'all got to wait and see. <laughs> All right, there we there we go. Speaking of waiting and seeing, Brian, like you said, you have that moment. Your name gets called. You're smelling great. You're looking great. And then you're reporting to rookie minicamp. You're getting into the program. What's the team that get that drafts Brian Branch getting in a player? Just the overall dog, somebody who's gonna beat. Um, you know, I know getting drafted just not my only goal. Uh, it's actually like being. Uh, you know, that 1% who is, who's like that in the league. And just knowing that I'm going to come out there and you, you don't have to worry about me off the field. Uh, just come in there and get my best and a true dog. So, 
Looking forward to watching it, man. Congratulations on all the success. Enjoy draft weekend, and best of luck to you as the next step of your career begins. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. All right, congratulations to uh, all the young men that had their lives changed night one of the NFL draft. Looking forward to night two. And like we said, for Will Levis and the rest of these guys, there's a world that comes after this. I know it's disappointing. I know it's probably pretty shocking because people make it out like it's just the media and everyone that gassed these guys up. When Will Levis was coming out, I'm sure he talked to plenty of legitimate people who knew, hey, draft grade-wise, this is where you'd be. And sometimes it just doesn't shake out like that, especially when we see so many quarterback needy teams go early. So there's going to be life on the other side of this. He's going to get to smile and go to work for somebody. So. Yeah, he is. In the end of the day, you're still going to get to control your your future. Yes. You know, so so you can you can make it all go away and, and end up getting paid like a first rounder very very quickly. Um, but let's send this off the right way into the rest of draft weekend and beyond, uh, and get to this, that, and third. Three quick stories. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. We hear you. Brandon Newman, who is not with us this week in Boston, that's why you haven't heard his voice much, I'm still trying to coax him back on air to do the song and dance for this. Right. We have heard your reviews. We understand how much you love that, and I'm going to keep badgering him about it. In the meantime, Dad, let's get to this. We had basketball that happened last yeah, night. Yeah, we did. Unbeknownst to everyone lost in draft land, the Celtics closed out their series in Atlanta against the Hawks. They now get set to go on in the second <laughs> round and play um, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, what, a, what a series. And what a flex by Jason Tatum. You pointed this out. So they went down to Atlanta and played at State Farm Arena where Janet Jackson was supposed to be right. playing that night. They had to move it. And Jason Tatum tried his best to make sure that Miss Jackson knew that wasn't his fault and he was sorry. Shouted it out in the in an interview after the game saying he was sorry to make her move her concert. What a, what a great – you don't have to slide into the DMs that way, nope. right? That's nice and public about it. So it'll be interesting if he hears from someone on her team or something like that. That would be pretty cool. But the better team won here. Listen, Trey Young tried to make this, this run with – Atlanta. It's a nice job for them. Quinn Snyder gets pulled in during the season to take over as coach when he didn't think he was going to be. And so it was a nice run for them. But this Boston team is just too good. But now Boston and Philly. Boston and Philly, the heavyweights against a winner in the uh, or or versus the the winner in the playing games, Miami going to New York, an eight and a five. Unreal. Now, Joel Embiid, we're still not sure what that's going to look like for Game 1 with him questionable after being injured in the last series. And then we've got Game 6 between Sacramento and Golden State coming up tonight uh, with Golden State up 3-2 in that series. Game 6 with the Lakers and Grizzlies after LeBron looked a little gassed in Game 5 the other night. And then we get the start over the weekend. Game 1 of that Western Conference second round. Denver and Phoenix. Going to be a really interesting matchup. That starts Saturday. And then you mentioned that Knicks Heat series gets started on Sunday. The Lakers Grizzly is interesting because now, you know, it's just one day in between. Yeah. You know, LeBron did look a little tired. Now he's got to play again. If they lose that game, it's only a day, and then you're playing the last game, game seven. So where is he in all of this? They've they've slid through a couple of times. We've seen AD stay on the floor, and everyone goes, oh, here we go. But he's, you know, he's answered the call. But give Memphis a lot of credit for what's happening right now. Let's see if they can bring it to a Game 7. Anthony Davis has to be the guy. This is supposed to be his postseason now. LeBron James, we have seen. This is the oldest LeBron's ever looked to me. This is the series where it's finally set in, that we're really on, like, the 17th, 18th hole as far as his career. Oh, by the way, a couple 
couple games where the game goes 20-20. Goes and 20. I mean, mean, my God. He's capable of that on yeah. any given night, but to string a bunch of right, those together, right. he's going home and telling Bronny, you better hurry the hell up and get through that one year of college because I ain't sticking around yeah, this I've, long. Yeah, I've got too many ice baths for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, let's get to that. This one, big news that broke in women's college basketball before the draft. Former Louisville star Haley Van Lith commits to the defending champion LSU Tigers. She had hit the portal. She had put up this uh, disclaimer. She didn't want to be contacted, which means she had an indication of who she was going after. And now we get a team down in LSU led by Kim Mulkey that all of a sudden got a little bit added firepower as they try and run it back. So that's what everybody is afraid of in, in, in the grand scheme of things is she goes into the portal and basically says, don't talk to me, which means yep. a deal was done before that, which means a deal was probably working on during the season, right? You could could read it as there was tampering going on, or you could say, hey, she knew where she wanted to shoot her shot. Well, I don't even know if we can call it tampering because it's not illegal, is it? I I don't know. Is it just a moral thing we're supposed to worry about with coaches, which we should scoff at? Yeah, that notion entirely. Or is there actually, like, can you have any contact this is what I don't know. Can a school? You're, can can, can you're, she schools, have, schools aren't supposed to reach out to you while you're on another team, and right. especially now in the NIL era where people worry about inducement as a sure. part of that package. You're not supposed. It's supposed to happen once you enter into the transfer portal. Again, I assume there's some sort of tampering going on in all of this. Everybody talks. Yes. People have whether it's through AAU coaches, trainers they've used. You've got conduits and people that can have these conversations, and players talk. Yep. Like I don't know what kind of relationship Haley Van Lith has with an. Angel Reese or any of the studs on that LSU team that won the title, but people talk. And so, yeah, it's foolish to think that something probably hadn't been broken. Without question. Yeah, without question. So, uh, great news for the LSU faithful who are looking for two in a row. Bad news for literally everyone else. Everyone else. else. Exactly right. I need her and Kim Mulkey mic'd up at all times together because you want to talk about two people who are not afraid to talk their stuff. Uh, It's those two. Women's college basketball (laughs) continuing to have star power juice uh, in a way that's awesome. Dad, let's finish it up and get to the third. On the film front, The Hunger Games is getting a prequel. I had no idea. Never saw this one coming. That's been the thing, obviously. Some of these series movies we've seen out there go to prequels. What's what's a great way to extend the franchise? Man. Go back before it even started, you know, in time. And and now The Hunger Games jumping in on that. The Hunger Games looked up and saw House of the Dragon on HBO and said, wait a minute. We got a fun dystopian world that we can play with a little bit here. Now, they're based off books, I would assume. So, The Hunger Games uh, got its first trailer for the prequel, The Ballad of the Song- of Songbirds and Snakes, which is apparently about the first ever Hunger Games right, right. in this dystopian future where the rich make all the poor people from these different districts go and send a champion to fight to, fight the, to death. the death. Yeah. Um, Dad, you interested in this one? I, right? I, I like The Hunger Games. I, I didn't love it, but it was like one of those, I'm one of those people if I get caught up in sequels, I got to keep watching them. God help me, Fast and Furious. I mean, what are we on? 10? We're on 10. I think I they mean, said 11's going to be the end yeah, of that one. I would go I, for I, Infinity. I, that I, the John just, Wick franchise had me forever. I don't really jump to the theaters to see them anymore unless sure. I really, really want to. I'll wait for them to come out, but it's like. Yeah, okay. It's one of those I download for a flight or something. Yeah. But I like the Hunger Games. So, you know, I, I, I will watch this one. I still see, need to see John Wick, the fourth one. Yeah. I've not seen that yet. But, yeah, this is one of those. I like like Star Trek. I kind of 
weaned off of that. I've kind of lost my my mojo yeah, for that, that one. Yeah, that one, so, Star Wars. Yeah. Like, a lot of those movies, yeah, I'm with you. At some point, we reach even the Marvel franchises now. I loved those movies as yeah. much as anybody for a decade. And as we've gotten into the television offsuits on Disney+, Plus, after WandaVision, I kind of tapped out there, too. So yeah. at some point, we hit a saturation point. I'm with you, though. Hunger Games. Because we didn't Everdeen. see it coming. Because we didn't really no. see it coming. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's give that a go. Yeah, I, I'm willing to run with yeah. this one and see. It doesn't look like this is going to be well before Jennifer Lawrence. So we'll oh, wave yeah, bye yeah, to Katniss yeah. Everdeen. Uh-huh. Hello to everyone else. We will wave bye to everyone here and say have a great weekend. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the draft. We'll talk to you Monday. Boom. Money in the bank.